0: It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And um, if you've ever listened to this show on a Tuesday, you know that very rarely are we excited (laughs) about Tuesdays. I am. Second Monday. But today, I'm very excited for what's coming tonight because something's going to happen for the three of us that has not happened since before March 2020. Or I guess since mid-March 2020. We actually worked together in the same space Until we got sent home But uh, we're gonna All three of us get to work together tonight
1: And Uh, we're gonna look damn good doing it
2: Oh hang on Hang on. I had like a 2 a.m. <gasps> panic where I was like, I have not tried that dress on in a long time. Do I honestly <laughs> think it can zip up. So I might be wearing the sweats I have on right now tonight.
1: We'll see. Oh, you <laughs> haven't tried it yet? McMahon. No, that's
2: my point. Is I woke up in a panic thinking this, like I was thinking that we have a gala we're doing tonight for Grace Hospital. We're emceeing it. So we're working together for the first time since uh, the spring of 2020. And I got that note from Grace. Brett, last night, you can explain why you were excited about what you're going to put on, but then that made me wake up at 2 a.m. and realize the dress I'm planning to wear hasn't been worn in two years, and I have no clue where it's going to zip up in all the right or wrong Well, I think spaces. you
1: should go get it right now, and I think you should try tra- <laughs> Just put, it on, try right put now. it on right while you're on the air with us. I think that would be a
0: great experiment. No, because I think we so we'll we get
2: trapped in it.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I think we hung out once at the. As Loren reminded me last week, you uh, you did come to the pub uh, once with us. Uh, we I remembered yesterday we got to we were sort of on duty. We were like we were there as representatives of the radio station. Oh, we, at
1: the uh, uh, at the, at arena. the arena,
0: yeah, yeah, the Jets gave us a tour, and yeah. we got to see and their we... fancy new light show and eat some hot dogs and stuff.
2: We've had lunch together once or twice, I think.
0: And the, But yep. I, we haven't worked together. So no. I'm So it's going to be fun, but uh, I imagine it'll be also kind of weird. <laughs> so part of the excitement of getting back to normal. Uh, but yeah, I had to rent it because of the pandemic and the pandemic weight. I don't have a suit that fits. I have two suits. One of them is too big from before I lost all my weight, and then I have another suit from when I did lose all my weight, and now I'm kind of between sizes, so I had to go rent a suit. I'm like, ah, I'm not going to make weight. I tried to make weight in time for the fight, so to speak.
1: I told you, get a garbage bag, go for a jog, and that's how the the boxers make weight. You lose eight <laughs> pounds in like a five-mile run with that, with that garbage bag. Bag on top of you. I went. That to sounds Lul- healthy. Uh, yeah, it's not a good idea. I, I I went to Lululemon on Saturday to see if they had any formal wear that I could wear <laughs> <laughs> tonight. I came up uh, empty, unfortunately. Hey,
2: I did a whole interview when I was filling in for Connecting Winnipeg a few weeks ago about the work casual look and how you know I've really casual down hard in the past two and a half years. And she said, you know, there's a there is a casual business formal type thing and it's it just depends on the pants you can wear some loose elasticy pants it just depends on what how how you what you partner it with
0: well and that's a good thing about the suit that I rented right because it's a rental yeah the the, the pants are a adjustable yeah they're not not stretchy but they're adjustable right they're they, they, you know so I but he, oh I like guess
2: the night goes on we can look yeah. over and be like oh Brett, Brett's finished the steak we're widening the pants Brett is having dessert we're gonna widen them a little more
1: it's like when uh, Joey puts on Phoebe's Maternity pants to to eat all the turkey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a preemptive strike. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I got a, so I got a tux. I went to see Ken Lozano over at Aldo Formalwear on Notre Dame, and I said, "Hey, I need a suit." Uh, it's it's not a black tie event, and he says, "Oh." Well, you're you're, you're co-seeing a gala. You're getting a tux, buddy. So I like, all right. Uh, and as soon as I tried it on, I thought this is about as the most handsome I've felt in two and a half years. Then take it, go with it,
1: run with it. <laughs> and uh, if we don't show up, uh, have a great time tonight.
2: I, I'm picturing Brad like looking in the mirror and being. Damn, I look good.
0: Yeah, it was. That's honestly, that's what was happening. That's like, nice. Oh.
2: That's a good feeling, man. You're. We need to. We need more of that in life. You know. It is a good. You feeling. You wake up and say yes. Woo! Let's do this. I'm gonna spend a night in the town at least till nine o'clock.
0: It was a good feeling because I've been <laughs> struggling with my with my confidence of late because of the the, the the fact that I've been unable to lose the weight that I've been trying to lose. But it seems like. Uh, I feel like I've maybe started to finally lose that because I was I tried to eat healthier last week and get more sleep and get more exercise and it seems like it's finally starting to like maybe I've pushed the pebble that's gonna laun- like launch the avalanche or the the mudslide or insert natural disaster here because uh, that's kind of what I felt like a natural disaster the last few months. Have you been
1: taking notes? Because if you have any advice, please send it across the table to me because I need to get moving. Again. Don't eat potato chips. I've been on that's that program <laughs> for going on about uh, five weeks now. So, Attaboy. yeah, yeah. So, no
2: chips for five weeks. Yeah. Well, I, I won't had go chips that far. In five minutes, and that's not a joke. Were like a. <laughs> we
1: this morning already. Well, there's a
2: there's an open bag next to the my desk down here, and I don't know where it came from,
1: but you know, you don't walk ask in questions. In just enjoy. a.m.,
2: and you're like, I don't mind if I do.
1: <laughs> yeah. The only time I had any <laughs> chips and dip. We were out at a get-together and somebody had them on the table, and of course, I just camped out there and enjoyed them. But that's better than what I normally do, and that's to to have a, a solid supply
0: in the fridge of hell of a dip and in the pantry of uh, you name the potato chip. So we're very excited for tonight, and hopefully we'll get some snazzy pictures for tomorrow, and you'll be able to find those on our 680 CJOB social media. Also today at 7.05, Loren, we're going to be discussing a survey, and it's quite simply summarized as, is trust with your employer eroding?
2: Yeah, so we regularly check in with the folks at LifeWorks. They survey Canadians to ask us all how we're feeling about things, our mental health, our well-being, our feelings of anxiety or even financial stress. And one of the lines that stood out in this survey is that one in five working Canadians report an erosion of trust with their employer since the pandemic. And there's all sorts of reasons that we're gonna get into as to why that might be, but change in workplace culture was the reason for this decline in trust for a large group of people surveyed. And so we want to talk this morning about that because it's interesting to me that a few months ago, not so long ago, we were talking about it being the employer's employees markets, rather, that the workers were going to finally have their say. And you could ask for more money and you could go in and do all this and that. And that wasn't the case I get for all of us. But there seemed to be this like the power is now sitting with the people, so to speak. And there's been a shift. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's things your manager have changed. But how are you feeling about your workplace right now? And how do you feel about your boss or your company? We're going to get into erosion of trust after seven. Yeah, we were quite quitting just 10 weeks right. ago or so. Because we could. Yeah. Right, I, I got something better to move on to, and now, now what? I, I'm fascinated to see what's going on.
0: Throughout the COVID nineteen pandemic, one of our largest priorities was to collectively ensure the viability of our hospital resources. Two and a half years later, those resources remain strained. There are well-publicized shortages of nurses and doctors all across the country. The toll of the pandemic on the healthcare system and the people who make it run is undeniable. Dr. Christian Thompson is an emergency medicine physician at St. Boniface
1: Hospital. He is also board chair and past president of Doctors Manitoba. It was in that role that throughout the pandemic, Dr. Thompson spoke to the media To update the public on the impact to physicians, to emergency rooms, and the medical care Manitobans were receiving when in hospital throughout the pandemic. And just over 24 hours ago, Loren, Dr. Thompson took to social media to share what he and his colleagues are experiencing at work.
2: So he's just one doctor working in one ER, but we really want you to listen to what he had to say. Here is how this thread on Twitter went. Our hospital wards are full, and as a result, our ERs are packed with admitted patients waiting for a spot upstairs. There's someone right now that's been waiting over 10, six days for an inpatient bed, and I've seen much longer late waits lately. Our waiting room and hallways are full. Dr. Thompson goes on to say, if you don't believe me, come and ask the person I saw who waited over 18 hours with a bowel obstruction, or the poor soul who waited over 10 hours while they were having a heart attack. Yes, you read that correctly. Things are beyond critical right now, but not all hope is lost.
0: Dr. Thompson goes on to say there are some things we can and should be doing now to help improve things. One, increased training and recruitment are important in the long term, but we need laser-focused efforts on the retention of the folks we have now. Burnout is at an all-time high; so many have already left us. Two, increase inpatient capacity improve admission and discharge policies and protocols, and provide increased allied health resources to facilitate 24-7 discharge planning. Three, implement an ER surge protocol. This was already successfully trialed. It's ready to go, and it works well. Risk needs to be spread out over the healthcare system instead of concentrating it in one area. If 35 people are waiting in our ER, that's not an ER problem. It's the entire system's problem. We all need to do our part to ensure that Manitobans are getting the care they deserve. And four, listen to doctors and frontline workers. I've been fortunate, says Christian Thompson, to sit at a few tables this past year. And I do get the sense that government and health leaders are starting to listen. Now we need to translate those words into action. We owe it to our colleagues and to our patients. And
1: if all of that was not eye-opening and powerful enough for you... He goes on to say, Dr. Thompson says, please help us. Yesterday, this would have been uh, Sunday, yesterday was the first day I thought about quitting. I love my job, my colleagues, and the people I care for each and every day. But what's happening now is not sustainable. Things can improve, but we need help. Let's be bold and seek meaningful change together. And late last night, Dr. Thompson added this, Loren." I think I need to clarify one thing here. We're stretched thin everywhere. I just happen to work in the ER, so that's where my perspective comes from. Staffing shortages and a lack of capacity upstairs backs up into the ER downstairs. System problems require system solutions.
2: So with that open and honest account, you can imagine that we did reach out to Dr. Thompson and Doctors Manitoba for an interview, and we weren't the only ones. And so Dr. Thompson is going to speak to media later today. It sounds like around 1130, and then he's going to join one of our shows in the afternoon. But the director of strategy and communications also emailed us to say that Dr. Thompson's story is just one day for one physician at emergency room we hear these stories across the system every day and it's taking its toll they've they like many people have surveyed their own employees and have found 50 percent of doctors are experiencing burnout two-thirds are experiencing moral distress meaning they've been distressed by the level of care they've had to provide and looking ahead 93 percent 93 percent of physicians that they've surveyed are concerned about hospitals being overwhelmed this fall or winter so we can keep saying things all we want about you know we're emerging out of this pandemic but it's been two and a half years of immense stress for the people in our hospital system and now we have fall flus and rsv and all sorts of other things coming in to play and i can only imagine what they're going through so i look forward to hearing what he has to say about just what it's like on the floor on a daily basis and and the fact that he feels people are listening now i suppose is okay but the now part concerns me because that means they feel like they weren't being listened to for the past months
1: and years. Well, I think we learned early in the pandemic, we we ignore these experts, those on the front lines at, at our own peril. Uh, d- despite the fact that this is happening elsewhere, does that make you feel any better? I think we had a discussion about that with regard to crime just last, last week. The fact that downtowns elsewhere are struggling, does that make you feel better? Doesn't make me feel any better because we have to fix it. This is, this is, there's no magic wand. And just like the healthcare system, I know things are strained. I know things are happening like this right across the country. But as Dr. Thompson is suggesting, that there are some things that can be done, that need to be done. And we have to have our eyes open to them. Because this can't be a surprise to anybody.
0: Mackling McGarry McNabb. We have bomber tickets to give away for Friday's game at IG Field against BC. Loren, set us up. What happened to you at Boston Pizza?
2: Okay, so on the weekend, we're at one of our kids' hockey games. Saturday night, it ended. We had a couple of hours to kill before picking up our other son, who was out. And so we decided just to go up the street to Boston Pizza. And yeah, I get it. I said this to you guys. When you're at a pizza place, you should probably order pizza. But I was really craving some meat, like beef or steak, and... I just, that's what I wanted. And so I I decided to order a steak type sandwich. In the menu, it's called the Big Dipper. Sliced steak, onions, roasted red peppers, sweet onion, o juice. Okay, so the waitress comes and I don't double check. I just go off memory. And I ordered the Boston Brute. Sandwich <laughs> arrives. And I need to just say that, that there's nothing brutish about salami and pizza sauce in a bun. Like, I, I couldn't have been more disappointed. I looked at it and thought, oh, where's my steak? It, not a big deal, I get, in the grand scheme of things. But that, it was just <laughs> this big fail on my part. Husband loved it because he ate most of the sandwich. <laughs> But I came home, I immediately took out a roast out of the freezer so I could cook it the next night because that's how much I was thinking about beef. And I should add, in sharing this email this morning, the story in an email this morning, when I mentioned I had ordered the Boston Brute instead of the sandwich I wanted, Braun, Jeff Braun emails me right back to say, Were you actually going for the Big Dipper? Yes! <laughs> So, Bron, it sounds like you've almost either had this fail or maybe failed this way before. So that's what we're talking about this morning. Order fails or online shopping fails, what have you.
0: Before we get to Bron, did you end up eating something at least?
2: Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I ate some of the sandwich and then the fries. And then I begged my kid for one of his wings. But I just... <laughs> It, I, I And I actually do this quite often. Like, my husband was laughing about the number of times I go in and, like, go off script, you know? Yeah. And then I end up eating his supper or, you know, making that <coughs> mistake and eating someone else's because I'm mad about what I ordered. I'm sure it's a great sandwich. I wasn't interested at all.
0: <laughs> Jeff Braun, do you like this Big Dipper
3: sandwich? The Big Dipper, that's my go-to at Boston yes. Pizza. And I double check the menu every time because I have to because I'm such a picky eater that I've just uh, – that's my thing. I always have to look at every little thing that's on whatever I'm ordering so I know what to ask them to leave off of whatever ah, it is I'm ordering. So it's if I see something like the Big Dipper, it's like, oh, that sounds good. Oh, got to check to make sure there's no tomatoes on this thing because if there are, <laughs> I got to ask for them to leave the tomatoes off. The one that tripped me up the most as a kid, though, was whenever we'd be in the U.S., and I would order iced tea because iced tea is my favorite <laughs> oh, drink. yeah. And, of course, in Canada, it means, you know, two scoops of good host. And in the States, it just means real tea that's just got ice in it, which is for like a six-year-old kid is just like a nightmare. It's like, what are you kidding? There's no sugar in this at all. This is terrible. <laughs> for a 46-year-old man, it's no yes. good. What are you talking about? <laughs> and i would try every time it'd be like well we're in a different state now at a different restaurant so maybe it's different here and then it just wouldn't be different and my dad would just like he'll get to the iced tea and then he'll also get a coke you know or something like that
4: i, I absolutely love us iced tea man i ab- i crave it. i make it myself at the house all the time i love it
1: I cold want- tea or hot tea you would like cold tea cold tea
4: hot tea doesn't matter you oh. know you just put a little bit of lemon in there avoid any lemon seeds and you're happy I wonder you're, if it's I'm, reverse. I'm like you know,
0: i chug that stuff when Americans come to Canada, I wonder if it's the reverse when well, they, they order can, iced tea. I'm sure shock. it is. Yeah. yeah. With all the no, sugar it's not in shock.
2: It. They're thinking, why haven't we been doing this all this time? <laughs>
0: They're not shocked.
2: They're just upset that they went through life doing it wrong.
0: Um, so, Poitras, you, you like the iced tea, but do you have an order feel for us?
4: Uh, yeah, I was craving poutine uh, and I ordered it and I got it delivered and it, I opened it up and it wasn't just, you know, like I, I just like classic, you know, gravy cheese curds i don't want anything else and this one was i guess and, and this reminded me of a curb your enthusiasm uh, skit i wish i had the clip but uh, larry's trying to get his sandwich switched with ted danson you know he's uh, it's got sable and capers and cream cheese and he wants to switch with the russian dressing and the and the and the, like the roast beef with ted danson anyways but um this this it was it was a lox poutine with cream cheese and capers and smoked salmon and red onion red onions. It was absolutely disgusting. First of all, like I was upset because I I got the wrong order. Second of all, I wondered who the heck orders this? And it led me to the third question. Why is this restaurant even serving this on their menu? This is an insane item to have. Like it's
2: (laughs) horrible worse when it's delivered i think like it's one thing to have that fail yeah. in a restaurant but when you have the anticipation of the delivery guy and you open up that bag and then wah, wah, like it's so
1: awful well they clearly can't even give it give it away because you well, got it yeah, and you were clearly it. gonna phone them and get your money back <laughs> and you still didn't want it did you tell them uh, come and pick this up and get it out of my house i
4: just threw it out and went on with my my,
0: God. God. Oh, my so, goodness did you get your money back
4: I, I did. I, I, I complained to the, uh, to the delivery service, and they, they refunded me. A, uh, I think it was whatever they do, like 50% or something like that. Or.
0: Oh, it's only 50%.
1: That sucks. Uh, what about you, Macklin? Well, <laughs> the big food fail came from my mom. This had to be in about ah, 35 years ago. I was uh, living at home, I think, for round two or round three, and I uh, had a phone downstairs in the basement, I was uh, working long hours. My mom called to say, I'm making lasagna for you. It'll be ready in an hour. And my bedroom was right underneath the kitchen so I could smell it. And I get upstairs and there's this big lasagna on the table for me, glass of milk, nice cold milk, garlic toast. And before I take the first bite, my mom says, I thought I had mozzarella cheese, but I didn't. Oh, so I had to make it with craft slices instead. Oh
2: gosh, gosh. Oh, no!
1: <laughs> it was the biggest disappointment on any level, any way, shape, or form of my lifetime.
0: Oh <laughs> boy.
2: Wow, a really rough day for Mac. This it is how I a, feel
1: about turkey. It was weekend. terrible. And uh, yeah, I, I tell that story at any opportunity because it, it was a devastating experience.
0: Yeah. I mean, hey, I don't, I got no problem with craft cheese slices, but on lasagna. In the right place. Yeah. there's a time and a place. Forte, do you have an example of an order fail?
4: Yes, uh, Amazon. And uh, I order my hair product off Amazon. And uh, the stuff that I used to order it was $30 for about like a hockey puck size container. And one day, it usually costs 30 bucks, It goes up to 90 And I'm going, I'm not paying that. Wow. It's because it got discontinued. And so I had to uh. look for a new hair product. And ordering online, looking for a hair product, is a terrible idea. Because you never know what you're going to get. And I've ordered three different products from them, and I keep ordering. <laughs> I keep ordering, and I keep s- keeping these hair products that just don't work in my hair. The, uh, it just doesn't hold up my hair. So now in my uh, cabinet, in my bathroom, it's filled with hair products. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, the thousand products that are available on the store shelves aren't good enough for you? I've tried. I've I've tr- I have products- What's so special about this stuff? Like,
2: you can't get that? It's, it's got
4: loyalty, man. It holds my hair up. The others don't. It makes me look greasy. Made I of feel like you have more tears. than like a
2: quarter inch of hair. I don't understand.
4: Fortier, like- remember that blue goo we used to have? We used to put in our hair Dippity when we
2: were like do? in tree. Though- <laughs> <do.
1: laughs>
0: stuff is terrible. We're asking you about order fails. And before we introduce our next guest, what does Michelle have to say, Lauren, on the subject of order fails?
2: I was visiting my grandma and she used to make desserts for each of us. I love a good apple crisp. When a trip to her house, she made an apple crisp for me. She was proud because she was able to use the crab apples from the garden. When we dug into it, it still had the apple skins, cores, and seeds inside. I could not eat it, but had to pretend it was delicious. Yep, that would be hard to fake. That's a hard fake. Was wow. there at least
1: ice cream on the side <laughs> to make it somewhat
2: palatable? Oh, it's like how I feel about that Christmas pudding, fruitcake stuff that oh. gets... And you just got to choke it down with water or milk or something.
0: And I see we have some feedback here from Big Daddy Taz on the healthcare system. We're going to get to that in our next segment here because we want to get into different kind of health topic right now. I don't know if this is going to make any of you feel any better, but if you're worrying right now about your finances, if you're feeling down or lower than normal, you are not alone.
2: Yeah. So for five straight months, anxiety, isolation, and work productivity have been scoring lower than normal on a survey done by LifeWorks. This company has been regularly checking into our mental well-being since the start of the pandemic. And after a bumpy few months, you know, in 2020, 2021, they started to see some improvement in how we're all feeling. But That plateaued back in the spring, and since then, there hasn't been much improvement in our scores. Our mental health, of course, as we know, it impacts how we work, where we work, who we want to work for. And on that front, LifeWorks is also finding one in five working Canadians are now reporting an erosion of trust with their employer. Paula Allen is LifeWorks Global Leader and Senior Vice President. Good morning, Paula. Good morning. Let's talk about this erosion of trust. Describe what we mean by that and what you're seeing in these scores
5: well we 're in a very, very interesting time. You know One of the things that that comes from the long period of strain that we 've had over the last little while is that people are a little bit more sensitive to any kind of stress, and this shows itself in relationships you know quicker to anger, a little bit more cynical. Uh, a little bit more negative in the the way we're perceiving things. So with everything that's happening and our focus, you know, really kind of moving towards something that's kind of volatile, which is return to the office in some work situations, uh, we're seeing that plus our sensitivity to to stress show itself in this, I think, erosion of, of employee and employer relationships.
0: Well, what's leading to this uh, decline in trust? Uh, like, are there certain factors that are triggering this?
5: Yes, most definitely. I think what happened is at the very beginning of the pandemic, we actually saw many employers step up really very positively and recognize how difficult this situation uh, is for people's mental health. You know, we saw CEOs speaking about it. We saw promotion of services like EAP to an extent that we hadn't seen before we really saw employers show how much they care and how concerned they are for employees' mental health and well-being. And that concern hasn't really gone away, but the narrative has changed a bit. The focus of the conversation now is more on kind of, let's get back to the way it was, let's get back to uh, the office. It it really has not maintained uh, the focus on on employee well-being, and, and employees are feeling that.
1: Yeah, I think there was that, uh, Paula, that genuine feeling, at least not, you know, I can speak for myself, that genuine feeling that that folks were were worrying about the impact of the pandemic, all the changes on our well-being, on our mental health, on our work function. And then the idea uh, that, yeah, there were some give and take with regard to working from home. Some people were working more. There were some certainly maybe who were working less, but there was an idea that there was a respect building, and uh, one of our listeners is a health, mental health advocate, and he sent in a text message with regard to health care workers, and, and he points something out that I think sometimes we forget about, that idea of when you're sick, when you're unwell, when you take a day off, that guilt that some people feel about leaving their co-workers in a lurch. Yeah, definitely.
5: everything that you said, I would agree with 100%. Uh, And and I think what we have is, you know, we've we've learned how to joint problem solve. Like we we did that in the pandemic. You know, what do you need? What do I need? You know, we both have an interest in making sure that the work gets done and the company is healthy, but also that you stay healthy as individuals. So it worked out quite nicely when we had that dialogue and, and employees appreciated it. We saw engagement scores go up. I think we need, do need to continue that. Um, the employees need to make sure that they understand that their employers are supportive of their self-care. We're going through a very different stage in the workplace environment right now, so we need to figure it out uh, together. And not really paying attention to you know, listening to each other and working, at thing, working things out from a joint problem-solving perspective is actually impacting the relationship between employees and employers. And ultimately, that doesn't work well for either party.
2: So if I look at these erosion and trust numbers, Paula, the good news would be that four out of five maybe aren't feeling the same kind of way. But is that number like are we seeing a reason for concern here if we're at 1 and 5 is that growing that that feeling of not trusting your boss or manager or company
5: 1 and 5 is a significant enough number to really do to really be concerned and the last thing we want is to wait until it's 4 and 5 and we actually have a crisis so we have some indications right now that we have to kind of go back to where we were in terms of just the focus on supporting each other. I I think one of the main things is that, you know, we we don't have really the restrictions that we had before. We we aren't, you know, every two minutes hearing about the pandemic and, and deaths and things of that sort. But the impact of the pandemic is still here. It's still with us from a mental health point of view. You know, prior to the pandemic, about 12% of working Canadians uh, had a high risk of, of mental health issues. And, and when we say the high risk, we're not talking about people who have a disorder and, and uh, is well controlled. We're talking about people who are suffering because their situation either isn't controlled or they're trending towards having something that is diagnosable. 12% in 2019, 34% now, now. You know, not in 2020. And we've also increased from 8% of working Canadians uh, engaging in high-risk drinking behavior. We've gone from 2% of working Canadians with high-risk drinking behavior to 8%. So we still have the impact of the pandemic with us. So the focus on mental health and well-being needs to be as strong now as it was before.
0: Paula Allen is LifeWorks Global Leader and Senior Vice President joining us live on 680 CJOB. Paula, thank you for this.
5: My pleasure.
0: Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, we have bomber tickets to give away for Friday's game against BC. We're talking about order fails, you know, a time where you go to a restaurant and you get the wrong order or what you ordered turned out to be something different or maybe you placed the wrong order. And conversely, maybe it doesn't have to be a restaurant. It could be something you ordered online that turned out to be not what you wanted. And uh, I imagine many of us have had order fails at fast food restaurants like McDonald's. Yeah, well, I do this because I don't like
1: pickles on my burgers. So this resonated with me, Loren. Back in BC, I lived close to McDonald's growing up, and whenever we went to that McDonald's, they would always get it wrong. Like, I don't like pickles and ask for no pickles, but they always, like, never took them off. This one time, my sister ordered a cheeseburger, and being this McDonald's, we had to check. And when she checked, it was only the bun, ketchup, mustard, and cheese! No meat inside. Big fail on their part. Well, at least they didn't put the pickles or the onions on.
2: <laughs> I have I got some feedback from my kids last year when it was Subway Day at the school and I ordered them subs but forgot the meat and got this phone call like did you mean to order a bread and lettuce pickle sandwich? And I was like, I think I put chicken or maybe like salami. No, no. Just bread, mom.
0: Just bread. <laughs> so did they end up getting meat on they their ate sandwiches? It.
2: No, I'm not driving. Like, eat it. There's snacks. You're fine. Like, I didn't hear about this until they came home.
0: Oh, the no. The school
2: called at noon to say, just just an FYI, and I said, well, are they eating it? And she's like, I think so. I was like, they're good. And then I pick, pick them up in the car, and it, I got a lot of feedback on that one. I was like, but you ate it, right? Like, the bread's still good? Yeah, the bread's still good, but there was no meat. I was like, yeah, I know. I get it. But, like, you're not starving. You're good? They're fine. <laughs>
0: I went to... uh, A buddy of mine worked at the McDonald's at the Walmart on Regent once upon a time. Yeah. So I went to see him and I placed an order. So he meant to make me... Like a, really, a, like a quadruple cheeseburger, but for a joke, he put a coffee lid inside it, <laughs> and it went out to the wrong customer. Oh Whoa! no! Oh, oh no! Oh, oh, no! oh you get fired <laughs> for that. Woo! Was that the last burger he ever made? <laughs> no, no. He, he <laughs> man, it, we, everything worked out. We, we managed to smooth it over, but <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's fantastic. Charm and good luck go a long way. Hey, eh, Brett. <laughs> yeah. Were you wearing your uh, Were you wearing your tuxedo?
0: No. I was probably taking a break from my time at Taco Bell, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Yeah, there it is. Friday night, Bombers. They host the BC Lions in the final game of the 2022 regular CFL season. And our next guest will become the 14th inductee to the Ring of Honor at IG Field on Friday night. Joe
2: Poplowski played for the Blue Bombers from 78 to 86, twice saluted as the CFL's most outstanding Canadian in 1981, and then again in 1986. And he was also a finalist for the same award in 1989. Joe Pop still ranks Greg third all time in Blue Bombers histories in receptions at 549, receiving yardage at 8,341, behind only Milt Steagle and James.
1: Murphy. In 1978, Poplowski was named the Canadian Football League's most outstanding rookie and he was also an analyst on Blue Bomber broadcasts. right here on 680 CJOB. We want to say good morning to Joe Poplowski. Good morning and congratulations, Joe.
6: Thank you very much, uh, everyone. It's, uh, it's quite an honour and uh, really looking forward to Friday's celebration.
1: So I don't need to tell you this, but for listeners that maybe don't know, you came to Winnipeg in a trade from Edmonton, your hometown. Is there any way that you could have imagined you would not only have such an illustrious career and an impact on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but did you would ultimately have such an impact on the community here in Winnipeg?
6: Well, uh, no, I, I never foresaw that uh, that happening, in all honesty. Um, I had only played three years of university football. And prior to that, I had been a quarterback at the high school level. So I really only had three years experience as a receiver. So coming to Winnipeg as a 20-year-old competing against some stalwart uh, veteran players, I didn't really imagine that I would be sticking around much more than uh, a week or two. Fortunately, things worked out very well. I developed quite a chemistry with a quarterback by the name of Dieter Brock. I'm sure everybody remembers that name, uh, mm-hmm. a legend in his own right. And uh, of course we went on to have some very successful teams. And because of that success, it was very easy to become appreciated by the fans of Winnipeg and of Manitoba. So uh, they opened up their hearts to me and uh, I tried to do the same. And it was a, a great relationship that I had uh, with the fans of the Winnipeg Football Club.
2: Well, you went from thinking you'd only be here a few weeks to playing nine seasons, Joe. And, of course, we want to talk about 1984, ending with the first Grey Cup for the Blue Bombers in 22 years. That was a huge deal for all of the fans out there. And you were 29 when you retired. That's pretty young by today's standards. After that decision, were there any regrets?
6: Well... Um, you know, especially when you think about the success that the team had shortly after my retirement, after the 86 season, going on to win a Grey Cup in 88 and once again in 90. Um, you know, I, who knows? I could have stuck around and played, uh, you know, a few more years and perhaps had a couple more Grey Cup victories. However, um, that drought of 22 years, when it eventually did end in 84, uh, the province and the city, of course, were definitely ready for it. And there was a celebration like nothing I'd ever experienced before or after. And um, I think it was all worth it, without a doubt. There were some injury situations that were starting to pile up. I was uh, having a bit of a back issue the last couple of years of my career. So, um, regrets, yeah, one, uh, you know, uh, definitely if I could have hung around and had a couple more gray cup victories, but then no regrets based on the fact that I was able to, uh, you know, be a healthy father and, and raise three young boys and be able to take part in events with them.
0: We're speaking with bomber legend, Joe Poplosky going into the ring of honor on Friday night at IG field. And Joe football is not a kind and gentle game. (laughs) How did your off field persona differ from your on field persona?
6: Boy, that's a really good question. Um, Something, you know, definitely had to click, um, and you're right on when you say that it it's a physical game. Uh, and we played a position that is the, the inside receiver, the slot back position, was one where you had to have a little bit of finesse and a little bit of grit. And um, we were fortunate that we had a coaching staff that believed in practice as you play. And so we would go through practices which were... Full speed, full contact, quite different than what's happening these days. Um, And I think that that helped helped us uh, get ready uh, for the mentality that you would have to have uh, while playing the game. So, yeah, there was a little bit of Mr. Nice Guy off the field, and it did change a bit uh, once you put the jersey on, and it was kickoff time.
1: So one of the greatest comebacks in Blue Bomber history took place at Lansdowne Park in Ottawa, September 9th, in your rookie season, back 78. Here's just a snippet of that story, of that game, from our good friend Joe Pascucci. In the
7: 1978 CFL season, there was no better rookie than the Blue Bombers, Joe Poploski. And in this game against the Ottawa Rough Riders, he led a late game comeback. That touchdown put the Bombers behind by five, and then on the ensuing kickoff, Poplowski booted it left-footed right into the waiting arms of Gord Patterson streaking down the sideline. And the drive would be kept off with Jay Washington running four yards for the touchdown the Bombers won it 31-29 thanks to the efforts of Joe Paploski.
1: Jay Washington, as Ray Ock might have said back in the day, Joe.
6: summary <laughs> <Good laughs> so memory. Very good good memory,
1: yes. Of course, you caught that touchdown pass, which gave your team the chance to complete the p- comeback in your left-footed short kickoff legendary but there's another piece of that puzzle an unnecessary roughness penalty against Ottawa which moved the ball up 15 yards and that act of of, of you know that act of violence was perpetrated against your person how clearly yes. do you remember that game
6: i remember it very well i mean uh, i was also awarded the the game ball by the coach following the game which had never happened to me before we never had that ritual uh, in any of the years previous that I had played football, so that was really something that I remember. But there's another side to the story, and that was while we were lining up for the kickoff, Coach Yock was screaming to the TV cameramen to get away from the sideline because the ball was coming over to that side, which was exactly the opposite side that I eventually kicked the ball to. The Ottawa Rough Riders heard what Coach Yock was saying, and they shuffled their entire team over to that sideline which opened up gordy patterson to be uh, quite wide open actually now joe Pescucci was pretty accurate in his commentary there but his statement of gordy patterson streaking down the sideline <laughs> is not accurate at all because Gordy was so surprised that the ball came to him. The first thing he did is he, he he caught the ball and he fell right to his knees. He was so surprised that we were successful on it. He could have been streaking down that sideline because it was quite wide open. But uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to disagree with Pascucci on that one call.
1: <laughs> well, my dad would be yelling uh, right now because be, my dad went to high school with Gord Patterson back in the day and he would remind <laughs> us every game, I went to Grand Park with Gord Patterson, you know. But yeah, that's true. Patterson could have really... Uh, Uh, if he would have known he was getting the ball, he really could have scored the the game-winning touchdown on that (laughs) kickoff, Joe.
6: Well, correct, but uh, the fact that we went down and executed a couple more plays, uh, you're right, there was that roughing penalty against the defensive back after I caught the touchdown. He, He knocked me to the ground, and it was definitely a... A foul. Um, and so that did advance the ball down the field. Um, I think that there was one additional pass prior, perhaps a draw, prior to uh, Jay Washington scoring the touchdown. So uh, good execution by a number of players, and uh, fortunately, I was one of them that, uh, that was active in the victory.
1: Joe, thank you for all the memories. Thanks for the time this morning. Congratulations, and we look forward to the ceremony celebrating your career. Another accomplishment, well-deserved, well-earned. Thank you for this.
6: Thank you very much. Have a great day.
0: Joel Paplaski, joining us live on 680 CJOB for Breakfast with the Bombers. Giving Brett
1: McGarry just a couple more seconds here to try and get back into the studio. Loren <laughs> McNabb, Greg Mackling with you on this Tuesday morning. It's a little bit gloomy, but uh, the weather's supposed to get better. Come Thursday. So hang in there. Lorena, I hate to tell you this, mm-hmm. but Brett McGarry's entering the studio with, guess what? Food. Food from the Winnipeg Football Club. And
2: oh. once again, I was just in there working two weeks ago, and I didn't get any food sent to me, Wade. Mm-hmm. And then sure enough, the week I'm not back, Wade, uh, food comes. Wade?
0: And a bunch of glow sticks. Ugh,
2: oh, <sighs> Wade?
0: All
1: sorts of stuff. Are there jerseys in there, too, with all our um, names on them?
0: Well, let's just see what we Mine you. says uh, number seven, uh, Mackling from uh, Ma- Loren and Company. Uh, it's the uh, the game day special, the Brazen Hall Burger. So it's Ooh. two beef two beef patties, yes. two slices of cheese, yes. caramelized onions, Fortier, uh, spicy ketchup, and vodka aioli on a Kube burger bun. It's 12 bucks at the Red Zone Concession Stands, Gridiron Grills, and the Brazen Cart. Free to you and I this morning, Brett McGarry. I can't
2: wait to hear how good it was for you.
0: Uh, also an important... <laughs> Also, an important note here as well, it's the Intercept Cancer Game. So I cheer for cards uh, can be printed at home uh, from the Bombers' website for the Intercept Cancer Cards and brought to the game. There will be limited quantities printed at the game. And there's going to be pink merchandise as well. So hoodies, T-shirts, toques, mitts, and cowbells for sale with a portion of the proceeds going to the Cancer Care Foundation of Manitoba. Will you forgive me if I just get out of my chair there walk over and uh, inspect these hamburgers, Brett? Okay. It was a little bit of an interesting process going down to get these as well, because they have the so the back door um, when you walk into the back door it leads to this sort of ramp that then goes down into the lobby but they're reconstructing that ramp so the only access we had was to use the freight elevator so I ran out at 7:57 and waited three minutes for the freight elevator to go all the way back down and as I was got out of the elevator there were three people waiting to go up so I knew that this was going to be tight. Uh, so yeah, that's why I walked in just as you guys had had gone back on the air. So sorry for the, uh, pardon the interruption. And I, I am sorry, Loren. I. You're not sorry. Yes, I am.
2: You're not sorry. No, you're not.
0: Yes, I am. Discarding I'm the pickles you. here. Are the sheet anyway? Um, so that's what we're doing. That's we have burgers. Thank you, bombers, and it sounds like a great one. And it goes. There's ways to help support a good cause. We've got the sounds of the game coming up in two minutes' time, and I do apologize. I missed what I, when there were plans saying what do, what do you want to talk about here, Loren? I believe you pitched uh, something. Well,
2: Healthcare. <laughs> we, we've been talking about since six thirty seven about this tweet that went out by Dr. Christian Thompson. He's the board chair for Doctors Manitoba. He's also an ER doc at St. Boniface Hospital, and and uh, yesterday morning, he tweeted out a long thread about how unreasonable working conditions and significant burnout and moral stress were contributing to a host of concerns about long wait times, about people with obstructive bowels waiting 10, 11, 12 hours, people with chest pains waiting that long. I look online today, and I see that the wait time right now at St. Boniface Hospital, where Dr. Thompson works, is 8 hours at HSE Adult. It is 10 hours at Grace Hospital. It's seven. I mean, the wait times have just only continued to climb. And Dr. Thompson is going to hold a news conference at 1130 to further expand upon his tweets. But he called for a number of things like, yes, we need to bring more healthcare professionals into the system. But he also said we need to work to retain the ones we got because one of the parts of his tweet that stood out was the fact that he said, please help us. Yesterday was the first day I thought about quitting. I love my job, my colleagues, and the people I care for each and every day, but what is happening right now is not sustainable. Things can improve, but we need help. So we're going to hear more from Dr. Thompson later this morning in a news conference, and then he's going to speak with Jim Toth right after 1 o'clock. And the health minister and the premier are at an event today at Red River College Polytech, where it looks like they'll be talking about nursing and training and a new facility. And so there will be questions for them again about the status of of the healthcare system right now because yes we're all looking to the future of bringing more people more doctors and more nurses in but man what about what the ones that are struggling right now greg
1: yeah because this is an immediate situation it's all well and good we've mentioned this before it's all well and good that other jurisdictions are in similar situation and and so you can't wave a magic wand and and have more human resources that takes time to develop but i think what dr thompson's message here in part is We really have to rethink some of the things that we're doing. We have some processes that we've done and tried out before that are tried and true. We maybe need to re-implement them. But also the bottom line message here, Brett, seems to be we have to cherish, take care as best we can of the human resources of the individuals of doctors and nurses that are on duty right now.
0: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Reminder, last chance to win yourself some tickets for the Winnipeg Blue Bomber game on Friday. BC Lions in town. We're asking you about order fails. So time that you ordered something, maybe you ordered it wrong. Or maybe your order came to you wrong. Or maybe you ordered something in a catalog. Or you ordered it online. Was not what you expected. 204-780-6868. We'll pick a winner at 915. 935 We'll meet a cast member from the award winning international phenomenon musical Come From Away. It opens tonight in Winnipeg. It's an amazing show. Excited to share that with you. And producer Jeff Forte, before Global News at 9 o'clock, we gave away tickets to see the Manitoba Moose versus the Iowa Wild this Saturday at Canada Life Center. Who won those tickets? Ron Perot. Ron Perot. Congratulations. Enjoy the iced hockey match. I know for those who always, I, I know it's not ice hockey. Although the Nintendo game is called ice hockey. Yeah,
2: no, no, you're right. It is ice hockey. It's I find it
0: endearing. Hockey. I find it endearing.
1: I think it uh, speaks to people who may be field hockey enthusiasts. Exactly. For all, <laughs> all there the Bevy people out there, there. There are probably more field hockey enthusiasts hockey? in Winnipeg than there are San Diego Ball Padres, Ball Padres fans. So.
2: Guys, there's lots of different kinds of hockey. You that's need right. to be clear.
1: Table hockey. That is your job. Bubble hockey. Is to
2: make things clear. Air
1: Cut. hockey. To
2: the chase.
1: Hockey talk. Oh,
0: sorry. That's honky talk. <laughs> uh, so, Yes. North American Ice Hockey League. Well, this one, I guess, would be what would you call this? Hmm. The, uh, the the American Ice Hockey League. But I got we got to come up with something a little yeah. more creative than that. Okay. Sorry, I'll, you, you,
1: we'll have to let it uh, simmer.
0: Yeah. A little bit. Okay, because we don't want to imply that it's like sub tier or anything. Anyway, because um, I was going to say Junior North American Ice Hockey League, but yeah, I don't I don't like that. That okay. doesn't. Okay. Got to think. I'll have to think of something else for the AHL. In the meantime, today is Dwarfism Awareness Day. Part of October being dwarf. Awareness Month, and we understand that our next guest has some exciting news to share on that front. Samantha Rayburn
1: tribick is the president of Little People of Manitoba. Samantha, good morning.
7: Hi, hi, how are you? I'm
1: doing well. I haven't even seen you on a walk for, I I don't know, two
7: summers? Uh, I know, and it's probably beautiful over there with the leaves
1: yeah actually up here on the 30th floor yeah it's great (laughs) the view is spectacular so next year we'll have you in the studio with fingers crossed so you say members of your group are doing some exciting stuff
7: yeah like we've got we've got some really cool things going on you know uh today is october 25th which is dwarfism awareness day you know we've got Folks, you know, I'm not sure if you saw Family Feud Canada, Connie was on there, one of our board members, and they, her and her sisters, you know, really rocked it, and they went away with some winnings, quite a bit of winnings, so that was pretty cool. They advocated for dwarfism while they were on there, so that was really great to get our name out on a larger scale like that. We've got Avery, who's para-swimming, so she's going to qualify for the World Dwarf Games next year in Germany. Um, she's really killing it in swimming, and she's definitely one to watch. She's only 14, and she is going places. We've got uh, Vivek, who's meeting the Pope tomorrow with his soccer team. Um you know, Yale, who, through the pandemic, won the Winnipeg Music Festival for his age group. He's going to the badminton paranationals. You know, it, we've got a ton of good things going on in our group. And all of it is happening because of who they are as wonderful individuals and not because of any sort of stereotype. So it's mm-hmm. pretty cool.
2: Sounds like a lot of it's been driven, Samantha, by young you know, the young people, you know, the teens, yeah. the kids getting out and talking. How important is that to not just talk to kids about dwarfism, but to to have people themselves leading that conversation, the people living with it.
7: Oh, so important. I I think you couldn't do it without people leading it. Um, it, It's the young generation that's taking our message further. It's the young generation generation that's growing up in a different world, and they're able to really make um, great strides, take, take us further than we've been taken before, for sure. And I think, you know, they've got a certain kind of confidence and a certain kind of, you know completely cool with who they are and are really like comfortable in their own skin and i think it's it's really neat
0: and as far as you know kids and young people i'm always impressed with with how you know much has changed and how it seems like a progressive and open minded they are and how there's this sure. push to get away from bullying and all that but but kids are still kids and kids can be awful mm-hmm. and hideous and mean and so i'm wondering with kids who are affected by dwarfism do they still deal with bullying
7: Oh, for sure. Of course. Uh, and I don't think, I think that uh, not just kids with dwarfism, born with dwarfism, I think that's across the board, but I think it's less than it was, but definitely there is still that, that uh, there's still bullying that happens, but I think it's how it's dealt with now. is much more impactful than it was maybe even five, ten years ago.
1: Well, you know, I, I think that's become such a big part of the conversation for all kids and mm-hmm. in, in school is the idea of bullying and and why it has impact not only at the present time but but long term. But as as we move forward here, Samantha, it feels as though you know we talk about mental health and how stigma is okay. maybe. Depleting, and so now it's about resources for those that that need them. Are are we seeing a turning point in in your view, and and how the public view views dwarfism and and those, you know, dealing with it, living with it, their families, and and is is
7: there a shift here? I think so. I mean, I'd be naive to say that it's totally on the other side now. Um, But yeah, I I do think we're seeing a shift. And I think part of that is the advocacy that's been done. You know, um, you speak of mental health and and in our community, good mental health is incredibly important. Mm. Um, And it's something that can impact us greatly. We know that our you know, our community has high amounts of suicide and addiction rates. And uh, I think the pandemic has brought a lot of that to light. And I'm talking the community as a whole, Little People of America, Little People of, you know, the the, the broader community. Um, one of the things I was lucky enough, or that was lucky enough to happen to me is I was voted in as advocacy director for Little People of, Manito- of America. Sorry, So with that role, I'm able to, you know, work on initiatives that are, tie into mental health and then because of that I can bring it into little people of Manitoba and can provide greater resources on that front here which I'm really excited that some of the next initiatives will be focused on mental health.
2: For you, I'm curious, you know, when, when, you, when you're coming to us to, to share this message and try to drum up awareness, what's one of the number one questions you get, Samantha, from people in terms of misconceptions, misunderstandings, or maybe even just the things that many of us say wrong when it comes to having these very important conversations?
7: You know, I think it always comes down to wording and, and you know, as much as we've advocated to inform people that the term midget is really offensive it still pops up and it still comes up and it's still something that we hear well, what's the big deal? I don't mean it in this kind of way um, you know, and so if if there's one message I can give, it's uh, well, if there's two messages I could give, it would be the first is to re- remove that word from your vocabulary, midget. It's just highly offensive. And the second would be just kindness kindness always. If somebody tells you they don't like to be spoken to in a way or they don't like a certain word referred to, believe them, change it. That's it.
0: Samantha rayburn Trubick, congratulations, by the way, on getting voted in with the Little People of America. That's exciting news. Yes, we sort of downplayed that in our email exchange before the call.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah the, uh, the modesty is showing there. And uh, before we re- real quick, Samantha, uh, Avery, I-, I think we met Avery in studio yes. a few years ago, and, and my boys yes. curl against Avery back in the yep. day. And so, uh, yeah, it's just uh, that inclusiveness is so important. So thanks for the work that you do.
7: Yeah, and hopefully we can have Avery come on the show and and talk about her swimming uh, next year when she's going to the World Dwarf Games.
0: Samantha yes. Rayburn Trubick, president of Little People of Manitoba, thank you very much for the time.
7: Thanks so much.
0: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We got bomber tickets to give away for Friday's game. BC Lions in town. Final game of the regular season. We're asking you about order fails. A time where you ordered something and turned out you placed the wrong order. Or maybe you did order the correct thing, but they screwed it up. Or you got something online or on a catalog and it just uh, was not good. And we, again, tough stories to pick from. We have a winner. We have a runner-up. Brett and Selkirk-Loren is our runner-up.
2: So Brett says, I'm backpacking in Europe in the 80s with a friend and I stopped to stay with some of my family in Glasgow. One morning I went out for a one. Upon my return, there's a big bowl of porridge on the table. My great uncle and great aunt and friend with a curious smile on his face all sitting at the table. I'm starving. I go in, dive into that steaming hot bowl, get the spoon into my mouth and as soon as the food touches the inside of my mouth... I had to stop dead. The sting of an overwhelming taste of salt made it impossible to bite down. I returned the spoon to the bowl, straight across the table. My great aunt is now glaring at me. What else can I do but admit I just can't eat it? She was not happy, and my friend was chirping about how ungrateful I am, and my (laughs) 92-year-old aunt slaved over the stove to make this beautiful breakfast. When the dust settled, and my buddy and I got back up to our room, he burst out in laughter, admitting that he was able to sneak over to the garbage can and quickly scoop it out. He then admitted he had watched her make the porridge. She put in two cups of oats and a three quarters cup of salt. We have laughed about that experience many times along the way. Including the lecture that my 92 year old aunt later gave us about birth control the day we left.
0: Love to hear that chat, but I'm not. I don't know that I've ever had porridge. I would imagine three quarters of a cup of salt is far too oh, much. Oh,
2: in anything <laughs> that's that may much. not
0: supposed to have any salt in it at all. I think
1: that was probably a straight uh, mistake for sugar. Oh, could that would be, be my that's guess. Right.
2: I, I, I remember years ago, I think it was my sister made a carrot cake and put salt in for sugar by mistake. I just oh, did this no. last night. It was supposed to be soy sauce and I put in like a quarter cup of Worcestershire. Sh- 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 <laughs> and how it
0: did it turn It was a marinade.
2: Out? It actually was okay. I was like, yeah. yeah, it's just a marinade. Like how bad could this be?
0: <laughs> but it happens. And Greg Barb is
1: our winner. I had breakfast at Cora's with friends one morning and on the menu, they have something called the surprise. The surprise consists of a French toast sandwich with a fried egg and ham in the middle. Sounds good. It sure does. When my order came, I got bacon and eggs and a cinnamon bun. I told the waitress, this isn't what I ordered. And she said, you asked to be surprised. <laughs> I said, I ordered the menu item, the surprise. We laughed and I <laughs> ate it anyway, and it was delicious.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Server's just trying to be. Because that's like when you're serving and people say, surprise me, isn't that annoying? Yeah. Like, uh, oh, uh, what, sh- what should I have? It's no. almost as annoying as, do I need a jacket today?
2: <laughs> uh, I think it's worse when you ask the server, though, what would you recommend? Yeah. On this menu. And then sometimes they're like, ooh, good question. And you're like, if you can't answer this, I'm out of here. Like, surely you should be able to Well, there's a way to reverse something.
1: engineering but re- re- and get to the proper answer. But it- it's very time consuming. Yeah. Yes. Barb, congratulations.
2: I that. Deal with it, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs>